to be honest with you, uh, my high school coach used to say, pressure something you put in your tires. So uh, this is just baseball. This is just a game. Just got to go out there and have some fun and uh, leave the pressure for your tires. Yeah, it's just a game. Remember that. Alec Manoa speaking yesterday to the assembled <laughs> oh, masses. Oh, boy. Alec Manoa is eating up. Alec Manoa is eating up all this attention. Um, love it. Absolutely love it. It's Blair and Barker, postseason edition. In about six hours, a little more than six hours, the Blue Jays and Seattle Mariners will start their first game of the three-game wildcard series at the Rogers Center. Now, the Blue Jays social media folks have sent out a tweet that's got me and a whole bunch of other people thinking that Edwin Encarnacion's going to throw out the first pitch. Ah, he should. Which would be swell. Because one of the things we know, of course, about Edwin Encarnacion is uh, today's starter, Alec Manoa, has been watching video of Edwin's postseason heroics to help him get ginned up for this particular game. We know this because he told us that yesterday. He also said something else yesterday, Kevin Barker, that, well, let me set the stage for you. And we'll throw to the video or the audio. Because even though we're on TV, we don't have video. Um, much has been made of the conversation he had with Justin Verlander at the All-Star game. Justin Verlander, one of the things Justin Verlander talked to him was about the benefits, Kevin, of, of sort of saving a little bit in the tank for the end of the game, right? Mm -hmm. Emptying it, but don't empty it all out in the first inning. So, well, he was also asked yesterday if Justin Verlander had given him any tips in preparation for the postseason. Lance, can you, can you play the, uh, the question and answer, please? You've, you've had plenty of learning experiences in your career, but you talk extensively about what you learned at the All-Star game, and I know you talked to Justin Verlander a lot. Did you talk to him much about what the playoffs are like in, in Major League Baseball? Not really. And uh, I don't know if, it, if he'll give me the right advice anyway, because we'll probably be seeing him in the next round. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's been, he's been doing it for a while. And, um, yeah, we, did, we didn't talk postseason baseball, but uh, he definitely did give me some good tips on, on some other things. So there you go. We'll be probably be seeing him in the next round. But, Kevin, before you uh, answer that, I have the Jays roster for the postseason. Oh. Gabriel Moreno's on the roster. Of course he is. Bradley Zimmer is not. This is the Blue Jays roster. Anthony Bass, Jose Barrios, Adam Simber, Jimmy Garcia, Kevin Gossman, Alec Manoa, Tim Meza, David Phelps, Zach Pop, Trevor Richards, Jordan Romano, Ross Stripling, and you say Kikuchi. The infielders, Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, Matt Chapman, Santiago Espinal, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Whit Merrifield, catchers Jansen, Kirk Moreno, outfielders JBJ, Hernandez, Springer, and Tapia. So Espinal makes the roster. Guriel Jr. does not make the roster. Kikuchi makes the roster. Moreno makes the roster. Bradley Zimmer left off the roster. That is the uh, Toronto Blue Jays roster. So uh, let's 
Let, let's deal with the, let's, sorry, let's deal with the Manoa stuff first. Now, we, look, I don't know if bulletin board material matters anymore. Um, you know, social media being what it is, every, it, it seems like you can make a big deal out of everything if you want. I thought Alec Manoa was just answering, you know, was just answering a question simply. And it, did, as someone who's played the game, mm. did that concern you at all? Like, do you see that going up in the Mariners bulletin board? Yeah, it's 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 almost hard to to answer that. Would I like to have just heard him say, "I'm here to be me," and not say the pressure and the tire thing and the well, that's fine. The, we'll that's see funny. Him, we'll see him in the next round, and and he's not going to give me all of his trade secrets. And he said, but "We it, might," but it's but it's or probably, but it's Alec hmm. Manoa. So the year that he's had, I think sometimes. When you have years like he's had, which is some elite stuff, like he's evolved into what he's evolved into and being able to have enough stuff to not have to use it from the first pitch that allows him to save some of that best stuff for the fifth and sixth and hopefully maybe the seventh inning. Uh, Yeah, I think he's probably one of the guys, if not the only guy that can come out and say the pressure thing and the, the, you know, we might see him in in the next round. So... That doesn't. That's not going to. It's not going to fire up the Mariners. I absolutely not. I don't think so. You know, it was more talking about can't himself. We, himself, I yeah. think. Can't we make it fire? Can't can't we I, talk it into I that? I mean, you, you can know, try. Talk it into existence. But did he like the Paul Seawald stuff? The sweeping that, that's motion. That's a little different. That's a little different. That that is directed right at the Blue Jays. Yeah. That's a little different. Is it, I think what Alec was talking about is more himself, uh, like the pressure and how do you handle it. You've never been here before. You're in uncharted territory with the innings pitch. Yeah, but the pressure thing is like a, the pressure thing that, is the pressure comment doesn't. I mean, that has nothing to do with basically saying that. I'm all, essentially saying I'm looking ahead to facing Verlander I mean, in the if next you're, round. If you're the Mariners, you would have to think you're the underdog coming into this. Like you got a good team, you got some good pitching, but you didn't play very well down the stretch. The Jays did. They have every advantage right now coming into today's game that you need if you're a Jays fan or a Jays player to move on to the next round. Now it's just you going out there and executing and, and being the best player that you can possibly be. So, yeah, I don't think so. If I'm a Mariners player, I don't even pay any attention to that. I'm, I'm trying to wake up and make this about as normal of a day as you can possibly make it just like all the other ones. All right, let's talk about the roster. Surprises? Well, the Yusei Kikuchi one is is a. I'm looking at I'm looking at what we we wrote out yesterday is our rosters. We nailed it. The Except only Yusei. Uh, well, we no, we said Yusei or Zimmer. We we actually yeah, we kind of nailed it. We both agreed that Moreno would be on the roster. We both agreed that Espinal would likely be ahead of Guriel. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the only thing. Yeah, we more or less nailed it. We came down it, it came down to the decision between Kikuchi and Zimmer, and, I, and 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 also, frankly, I think it it may have as much come down to to Kikuchi versus Gurriel Jr. as well. Like if Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is healthy, he's on this roster. But how do you view this third catcher? That suggests to me that Danny Jansen's going to be DHing. Yeah, that's a, that, that's a given. Both those dudes are going to be in the lineup. I mean, I mean, I mean, you can go around and you could you could make out the lineup without actually seeing it. Okay, you, you know who's pitching, you know who's catching, you know who's playing first. Whit Merrifield's playing second. 
You know who's playing short. You know who's playing third. Toppy is playing left. Uh, Springer will play center. Teoscar play right. Daniel mm-hmm. DH. Yeah. It's real simple. Like it's it doesn't you don't have to see it. You know, Hazel May doesn't have to tweet this thing out to know what the lineup's going to be when when it does come out. So yeah, the Yusei Kikuchi is an interesting thing. It just be will, will be very interesting. Now you obviously know there is a bunch of switch hitters and some lefties that play a lot for Seattle. But it will be interesting to see how John uses him. Do you have enough confidence, say, in a tie game, handing the ball to him to face, I don't know, Crawford, Kelnick, Santana's a switch hitter, like a couple of good, tough, Well, that, you know, he's going to have to make some quality pitches. Now, I know he's been good down the stretch here, but these lights are pretty bright here. So the more interesting thing will be, when does John have enough confidence to sell it, to just say, get you say up? That's the thing. And, you know, he's very good at, you know, thinking ahead and inning and knowing what the lineup is and who's coming up and how to match up two lefties and a righty. That'll be interesting. It's a very small sample size, but... Crawford's 0 for 3 against him this year. And keep in mind, keep in mind that when the Jays and the Mariners faced each other, the Jays, that was before the Jays became the Jays. Crawford's 0 for 3. Ty France is 1 for 3. Dylan Moore's 0 for 2. Julio Rodriguez is 0 for 3. Carlos Santana's 2 for 7. Suarez is 0 for 2. Abraham Toro's 1 for 8. This is, yeah, Kikuchi's been better down the stretch, but, and we are dealing with a limited sample size. But he's also had limited success against us, too. This is why I'm not surprised that he's on the roster. This may be the one team you'd have him on the... Well, you might have him on against the Yankees because he's had some decent numbers against the Yankees as well. So I'm not... Yeah, I, I don't expect to see him pitch in the, yeah, in the eighth or ninth inning, but I, I certainly wouldn't... Have, I wouldn't have any problem having him go up this, against J.P. Crawford, like, for example. Like, like what you said earlier, this has more to do with Lourdes is not on the team, so you'd put an extra pitcher... Somebody that can match up against some lefties. You know, again, for me, the you say thing is, can he throw strike one and how hard is he throwing? If I'm left-handed this time of the year, facing a lefty who is a hard thrower who could maybe tunnel a slider and make it look like a strike and have some late movement to it, if he can do that and not have the velocity at 93-94, his 93-94 is not playing. Not this time of the year. If it's a little harder, yeah, okay. But you got to have some guts to go to him. And that's the question. Like, when when will they? Is it only when they're losing? Is it tie? Is it early in the game? Or seventh inning rolls around and maybe game two, Tim Mays has already thrown 30 pitches he can't throw, and there's a couple of lefties coming up. Would that be the guy? The Mariners have released their roster. they got 12 pitchers. They've got three catchers. Uh... Abraham Toro's on the roster, the Canadian infielder. That's no surprise. Uh, Dylan Moore, Adam Fraser are uh, infielders and outfielders. Hanniger, Kalenich, Julio Rodriguez, Taylor Trammell as well. And uh, the pitchers are Brash, Boyd, Castillo, Castillo, Festa, Gilbert, Kirby, Munoz, Penn Murphy, Robbie Ray, Paul Seawald, and Derek Swanson. So no real surprises, I don't think, with the, the Seattle Mariners roster. So, no Lourdes Gurriel Jr. You are seeing a lot of right-handed pitchers from Mariners. The lefty you'll see tomorrow is Robbie Ray. They've only got two lefties in their on their roster. 
Matt Boyd's the other lefty. Yep. He's a lefty reliever. So Robbie Ray uh, is also going to be there. What do you do tomorrow? Tomorrow's start against Robbie yeah, Ray. Yeah, the, well, the only question mark would be who's playing left. Yeah. Do you still go with Tapia and just stick him down the bottom of the I order? don't. Or do you? Let me just throw this out there. Do you have Whit Merrifield in the outfield and Santiago Espinal starting at seven? Well, if Santiago Espinal is healthy enough if he's to on the do roster, both and not just play defense. Would you do that? Absolutely. Yeah. I just don't think Tapia doesn't show you enough against lefties, and Robbie Ray's a different kind of lefty. Yeah. I mean, he's going to eat lefties up. So I don't know if that w- would you. I'm, I'm trying to have the Jays gone. Have they put Teoscar in left and Merrifield in right before? I'm trying to remember. Well, you'd probably just put Merrifield in left. You wouldn't want to get too, uh, too don't cute, get right? cute. Yeah. So that would be the, uh, I would think, the obvious, uh, the obvious decision uh, if you're the Blue Jays. But maybe it depends on how today goes. Yeah. If today goes good and and Tapia gets a couple of hits. But, you know, I eat regardless, you're going to see Tapia is going to be probably be the first guy off the bench well, it's only, when you it, start it, getting it, to those right-handers. And it's only one lefty. Yeah. Right? It's not, it's, not, it's not like you're running out there four or five lefties against a lefty pitcher on the mound. No. It's only one lefty. And you still got a bunch of righties. And maybe it's what you just started that with is saying you just put him at the bottom of the order. He's going to be down there anyway. Like it's not mm-hmm. gonna, that's not going to change. Yeah, he's it's not coming just, in to pinch it for any of your your top six yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, and I still like Witt playing second, so I'm not sure about that. I th- I think Santiago Espinal. So I want to take back what I just said. Okay, I I think it would make a little bit more sense with just the way Toppy has been playing, the confidence. Just he seems like he knows himself, which I kind of like. At like right, it's sometimes you can read into the conversations that you're seeing a guy have with an umpire, with a catcher, with his teammates. It just seems like Toppy has found whatever Toppy is looking for. And I think, again, I do think it will be determined on how it goes today. If he goes over four or four punches, he ain't playing tomorrow. I'll, how's that? But which he ain't going to go over four or four strikeouts, I don't think. No. So, uh, A reminder that uh, today's game, We'll start at 4.07. You can catch an extended version of Blue Jay Central beginning at 2.30 p.m. on Sportsnet. Uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan will have Jay's Talk Plus with Blake Murphy from noon to 2. That's immediately following us, followed by the fan drive from 2 to 4 leading up to the first pitch. And after the game, Mr. Barker and myself will be hosting Blue Jay's Talk, a 90-minute edition of Blue Jay's Talk. So, uh, Steve in the press box. Got the Red Bull ready. Eh. Buck Tabby and Hazel will be doing the duty on TV. We will be uh we will be producing our own Blue Jays telecast this year. So 407 is the first pitch today, 407 tomorrow, 207 on Sunday. Uh, the Jays not announcing their starter for to- starter for tomorrow's game. Uh, John Schneider saying yesterday that. He's going to take a number of factors into consideration, essentially saying, hey, get back to me after we see what happens in game one, which is what I would do too. The Mariners have already said Robbie Ray and Logan Gilbert are going in games two and three. And, and I think we figured it out with, with the Jays, really. I think if, if the Jays win the first game, I think Stripling goes in the second game. That's the home field advantage right there. Yep. That's why they wanted yeah, it. Yeah, it is. That's why they wanted it. So they could use the home field advantage to their advantage so they could keep Gosman for game one of the Diaz. Jeff Passan joins us at 11 o'clock, at 11.30. Mike Cameron, former Mariners outfielder. He was part of that really good 2001 team. He was an all-star that year. He's also a three-time Gold Glove winner. He'll be along at 11 o'clock at 10.30. Greg Olson, ESPN radio analyst, former MLB closer. 
he'll be working with Dan Shulman on uh, ESPN Radio's call. So we look forward to hearing from Greg Olson uh, in just a few moments. And a reminder that this segment of Blair and Barker is brought to you by Bet365. Bet365 is the world's favorite sports book with 80 million members worldwide, 19-plus play responsibly, Ontario only. All right, Kevin, the, the day is here. Um, the conversation with Ron Darling yesterday, we asked him what he would look for initially from Alec Manoa to suggest that Alec Manoa is not overamped, that he's prepared for this. And he talked about landing his breaking pitches, landing his breaking so pitches. That's early. intriguing what he said. I, I, that, well, the question will be the first, the first couple pitches, what will they be? How hard will they be thrown? Like it's, He's a human being. I know what he said and the pressure and the tire thing, and, yeah, it sounds good. It, it, can he go out and, and establish just being himself, right? And I don't, think it w- I don't think we should expect anything other than that because we've seen it over and over and over again. I mean, they put him in the biggest games of the year down the stretch, and we didn't see anything other than what we expected to see from Alec Manoa. I, I just I think it's command. That that for me, he's a big man. Sometimes big man, big men in, in big spots. Just you know, one part tends to go in directions, and you, it's you have it trouble keeping it all in line. So I, I would more about location, but it is inter- intriguing and interesting that Ron said the the breaking ball or the slider. It does throw a lot of backdoor sliders. Now I I, I would say against all these lefties, because if you're Scott Service, that's exactly what you do, right? You throw as many lefties in there as you can possibly get, and they're going to have a bunch of them. And how does Alec, you know, again, be unpredictable with strike one, or does he not even worry about that? Here's my best of arm side. You know, if you can beat me going away, this is sort of what you're doing against the Blue Jays, right? If you can dink and dunk me to right field, go for it. Good luck. I don't think you can do it, and that's sort of how we're going to attack you. Why would Alec be any different against this lineup? I think for me that's what I'll be looking for is just command. Maybe not the velocity. Maybe just early command, and if he throws a couple in a row and they're not where he wants them to to be if they're not competitive, now what? And if he can get past that, Stop looking at it and, and wondering and just, you know, enjoy what you're seeing. What does it say about Danny Jansen that he's DHing in a game that he's not catching? I, I, if, we, if we'd said that at the start of the year, I don't think we would have necessarily. For me, I think that says that. more about the organization doesn't have any left-handed hitters <laughs> than it does more Fair about enough. Danny Jansen. Danny Fair Jansen. You know, Danny Jansen's hitting somewhere what, around 200. I mean, I know he's got 15 big ones. But I think for me, this this says more about what the organization doesn't have. Now, I'm not trying to take anything away from Danny. He's he's evolved into what he wants to be. Is a big leaguer, first of all. Sometimes you got to look yourself in the mirror and go, this ain't going to work. Like, I'm not going to stick around very long here. And once I get traded and I'm hitting under 200 and I'm not hitting any homers, I'm not going to be in the big leagues very long. So he, he's made enough changes to warrant being in a lineup in game one at home against the Seattle Mariners in a playoff game. But I'm going to ask you, would you rather against uh, Castillo have a, a better lefty to stick in there other than Danny Jansen that can get on base and, and use the entire field. Like a Michael Brantley type dude. Uh, healthy. I mean, uh, healthy. Yeah, I, I, well, no, but I mean, that's the type <laughs> of guy we're talking absolutely. about. We're not talking about another rhyme. I'll We're talking about a Michael Brantley. Type absolutely. Dude. So yes, yeah, yes. I, I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away from no. Danny. He's had a really good year, but for me to answer your question, this says more about what the organization does not have 
than what the year Danny Jansen is having. How did I answer that? Yep. I mean, I love Danny, and when he's a he, we love having him on this show. But Luis Castillo is not an easy get. I mean, that's ninety nine with a slider and a Bugs Bunny changeup like that thing, and it's a weird three quarter crossfire, like hiding the ball. Ain't gonna be easy. <laughs> that's what I said. If you had more lefties that could just see the ball better. Like, the you know, the window, when you look out there, you're seeing it easier. And maybe you could eliminate one of those two pitches or maybe a, a, a two of them instead of looking for three of them because they're not going to simplify it. I think we've come to the realization now, the Blue Jays is just not going to go up and look heater. They're going to guess some. So, for me, it would just be an easier guess if you had some more lefties. That's wishful thinking, but they don't. So, they're taking what? their hottest hitters, and right now, Danny's one of those guys. What um, what's your two biggest concerns for the Blue Jays going into this series? Two biggest concerns. Can they hit enough homers? That's where I get my stat. You know, I see, I did, I see how you asked me that question. Yeah, so I want you to I, drop I, that stat. Well, I heard this interesting stat when I was in my car on the way here. And I didn't really even think about you this. You didn't write until, it down while you were, while you were I, driving. I did not. I, I had my wife text it to me. <laughs> uh, well, uh, thir- I've got thir- such a good... Anyhow, go yeah, ahead. So, so the last year in the playoffs, uh, the 37 games were played. Yep. Uh, 27 of those, out of, out of 27 out of the 37, a team hit more homers than the other team. That team that hit more homers than the other team out of those 27 went 25 and 2. That's a big number. Jerry DePoto was uh, talking yesterday, the Seattle Mariners general manager. And, and this, is, you know, this is something that it, it's not a, a revelation, but to hear a front off executive put it so clearly, you know, power wins in the postseason, power pitching and power hitting. It's really difficult. I think it was Ben Clemens of Fangraphs actually two years ago did a detailed analysis of this. And it kind of jibes with what you see. It's difficult to quote unquote string together five or six hits in the postseason. It is. It just is because of the the pitching you're facing, because of the way games are managed, Mm -hmm. Um, a variety of things, you know, the atmosphere, whatever. It's just, it's, it's hard to go out and be methodical and to just cobble innings together. You need a blast to have success. Yeah. So that's one of mine. Who who can who can do it? Would it be Vladdy? Would it be Bo? Or maybe would it be Danny Jansen? Somebody who can look heater, bottom of the order is going to get a bunch of those. You know, Luis is going to he's going to try and go cruise control bottom of the order so he can labor through the top of the order. So maybe somebody at the bottom of that order. And for me, it is about winning this series and going deep in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Can the Blue Jays play a clean yep. game? That, that for me, is probably bigger than how many homers they hit. I, I just, you know, I can still see the ground ball hit right at Bo and he chucks it away, and then somebody for the Mariners hits a two-run homer. That, that for me, is probably not fair for me to say. 
Well, we've seen it. I th- so I think it that is, it has to be a fear. It is. It so has that, to be a that fear. for me is, and that could be base running first to third, getting thrown out on a why are you stealing? You know they're at the bottom. Your your team's at the bottom of the order. Somebody's up that probably's not a run producer. You're trying to you know st- sneaky steal second. You get thrown out and then you don't score a run. That's sort of what I'm talking about. Playing a clean game. Can they do it? And if they do it, I think for me anyway, they have more talent. Then the Mariners do, and they'll win that series. If they don't, and they give the Mariners more chances, because the Mariners got pitching. They got a bunch of dudes that can throw to a bunch of good right-handed hitters. So that's the two things for me. I'm going to put you on the spot. I thought you did already. Who wins the series? I still say the Jays. I'm not going to say it's in two games. I think it's going to be – they're going to have to battle. They're going to have to pass the baton with competitive at-bats. Not an OO from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. swinging at a two-seamer that's a, I don't know, seven inches in off the plate on a ground ball to third. That's not a competitive bat. And don't run a ball out to first. That's not what I'm talking about. Pass the baton when it comes to, I'm taking that one. I'm taking the one that's on the outer third. It's 1-1 because I'm competing. I can't drive any either one of those pitches. That's what I'm talking about. I still think it's the Jays. I think they're a better team all the way around, and they're playing at home, but I think it's going to go three games. And I'm going to think that Kevin Gosman has to throw one of those two the second or third game. You? No, I, I think the Jays sweep. Well, sweep. It, it, it's odd. The Jays sweep. What we're talking about. It's not a, well, they it's are not, sweeping. No, let That's me true. finish. It's not the World Series. We're talking about taking – Taking two or three games in in, in, win. A, in, a, in a series, I think they'll win the first two. That that's just well, it'd that's be easier if they did. Yeah, yeah, it would be. And you know what? You know what? You know the thing about baseball: whatever's easiest never happens. Never, never happens. Nope. But hey, somebody's got to pick them to win two in a row. Because everybody's everybody's running around. Oh, it's going to be three games. Three. Man, come on, sack up. Say that somebody's going to sweep. Somebody's going to sweep somebody. At no, some well, point. normally I have no no pains about doing what you just said. But you believe your pick. I believe I that don't Robbie believe Ray. That, I think Robbie Ray will be hard on the Blue Jays. Yeah, the difference between That's you and me. me. The difference between you and me is you believe your pick. I've done mine just because nobody just else. Just because nobody else is going to do it. <laughs> About the other series, Guardians and uh, Rays. I got the Guardians winning that. In, yeah, in three. I, did. I think I, I got that I thing going. I, three. I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to go three. Just because of all the pitching that the Rays have, neither neither one. Of, we just talked about the homers. Neither one of those teams can hit them. Yeah, I think you got a you got a, a Rosarena and and Ramirez are about the only two that that are a threat to really run into one in every at bat. Then there's everybody else. You just have to ask yourself who who can catch the ball more times than not, and who can get the big out, make the big time pitch when they need it the most. Did I change your mind? I, no, I, I, I I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna go with the Rays. I I think this will be where experience will take over, and I I I just just me. I think they those lunch pail guys who nobody cares about. I think Kevin Cash has more of those to hand the ball to, and they, their team is more used to handing the ball to those guys. They've been playing than Cleveland. So, been I, you playing can, so you can throw badly, that out the though. window. So so's the Mariners. You can throw yeah. that out the window. It's different now. Take a look at the National League. These series, I, I find these series intriguing. I've got the Padres beating the Mets in three just because I know Buck Showalter is going to screw up his pitching somehow. 
I mean, he is. He's going to screw it up. He's going to pooch it some. Yeah, I think it's in New York. That that for me is the X factor. Playing in New York this time of the year can't be the easiest thing to do. I, I played New York in, in September. The end of September is not the easiest See thing. The, I can't imagine how it is in in October. The, so that for me is going to get the mess. But it will it will go three games because the, the, the rotation for the Padres is really good. Yeah, you Darvish has had his his best year since breaking. Blake in Snell's throwing ninety nine now. All of a Snell, sudden, uh, Snell's throwing ninety nine. Josh Hader's right of the ship. I just look at it this way. We've talked about power hitting and power pitching winning. Juan Soto and Manny Machado should be able to hit elite pitching. They're going to see, I mean, they're going to see nothing but elite pitching. What's the weather like, New York? Probably that, the same be, as it is here. Thing, I don't, that would I, be a thing for three days till you look at also. Yeah, uh, that would certainly be a factor it for San be, yep. Diego. Yep. Although both Soto and Machado, they've played in the Northeast. They're used to cold weather. True, but everybody else sort of. Phillies and Cardinals. This is kind of a bizarre, uh, this is kind of a bizarre series. The Phillies have two really good starting pitchers who no are question. better than the Cardinals starting pitchers. But the Cardinals might have more depth. The Phillies bullpen has been a tire fire this year. And I should say in September, a 504 ERA. Kevin, the guy, when they clinched, the guy in the mound getting the save, Zach Eflin, it was his first career save. He said he didn't know how to celebrate. He's never been in a situation. Yeah, yeah. I think I got the Cardinals winning that in two. I do too. I, the Phillies have the worst defensive team in maybe the history of baseball. They're, they're they're atrocious. Like they're, they're they're like my Broncos. You can't watch them play defense. So for just for that fact right there, I'm, t- I'm I'll take the Cardinals. And, and again, I said this to you. I think it was yesterday. The Cardinals have it right now. Yeah. What now? It will get them through the Phillies. It ain't gonna get them through any more no. uh, any other series. No. But it will get them for me anyway through the through this Philly series. I'm with you. I think the two starters and Wheeler and Nola will give them a serious chance, and it will go three because of it. But for me, I think just because of the defense, the Phillies can't play. I got the Cardinals. I got the Cardinals taking it in two. I say three. I know you hate that, but what are the odds you think that Albert Pujols has plays a significant role? In I will this series? say. I will say this: If you're the Phillies, why would you let him? Arenado's been struggling a little bit. Goldschmidt's, having trouble Goldschmidt's getting cooled off a little you, bit. Why would you let – it's sort of like when teams come in and facing the Blue Jays. Why would you let Vladdy beat you? When, you're when, not going to pitch, pitch, around pitch around 40, 168-year-old Albert Pujols. He's got 700 big ones, Jeff. He's got, yeah, you know any dudes that got 700 got, big ones? He's also got a stat that really kind of blew me away. He's also got – he's got 18 home runs since the break, and that's tied with like four or five other guys for second behind Aaron Judge. But if you look at his numbers, and this is there's a terrific article on uh, MLB.com. Albert Pujols in the first half of the year was hitting six, uh, 215, six homers, mm. and uh, 29 RBIs. He admits now that he was considering retiring in June. Mm. He was considering shutting it down. Lowers his hands, lowers the starting point of his hands, holds his bat more upright, adds a leg kick, and... If you look at his second half, 48 ribbies in the second half, a 1.092 OPS, and a team average, a team high average of 321. And Kevin, in the second half, he slashed 284, 348, 578 against right-handed pitching. Yeah, he's playing more. 42. Yeah, he's playing more. Fountain of youth. Bat I looks, mean, bat looks quicker. I mean, I, that's if, outrageous. If it's me, you pitch, don't you make him go the other way? That 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 I think is 
sort of the separator in his 40s than it was in his early 30s is early 30s he was a line to line guy now he's a up the middle poolside guy so if you make some decent pitches to it i think you get him out but why would you even try the guys around him right now are scuffling and they're they the Phillies got a couple good pitchers going so that'll be an intriguing thing but i still like the cardinals yeah i i i think the cardinals are uh as i said i think the cardinals they'll win this series but that's where I don't think I don't think either put it this way I don't think either of the National League wildcard series winners are gonna I don't think they're gonna give either the Braves or the or the, or the uh, Dodgers trouble I, I mean you might as well just have played the National League championship series right now and have the Braves or Dodgers I don't know about the American League series I really don't because I really don't know what to make of the Yankees and um I think the Jays have a chance against a team like Houston. I don't know if the Mariners do, but That's I think the words. Jays have a chance against a team like Houston. Greg Olson is ESPN Radio's baseball analyst. He will be Dan Shulman's partner during this postseason series. He's also a former MLB closer and AL Rookie of the Year. Greg Olson joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we've given you the Blue Jays roster for the wild card series. No Bradley Zimmer. You say Capucci's on the roster. Gabriel Moreno's on the roster. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, clearly not fit enough to make the active roster. Santiago Espinal is. So those are your, uh, those are the details of the Blue Jays roster. The starting lineup for today has Springer leading off in center. Bichette hitting second at short. Guerrero at First, Kirk behind the plate. Teoscar Hernandez hitting fifth in right field. Matt Chapman sixth in third base. Rymal Tapia hitting seventh in left field. Danny Jansen is DHing and hitting eighth. And Whit Merrifield is starting at second base and hitting ninth. Two leadoff hitters. Bingo. Ninth and first. Yep. And, of course, Alec Manoa. Uh, Alec Manoa is on the mound. So that is the Jays' starting lineup. And as we said... Um, I guess where it gets really interesting without Gurriel on the roster is what do they do tomorrow against Robbie Ray? Who do they start in left field? I said perhaps you go with Espinal at second and Whit Merrifield in left. You know, if if Rymel Tapi has a good game, you may just see John Schneider say, you know what, let's stick with the same lineup and 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 maybe move Tapia down, uh, move Tapia down in the order, maybe move Jansen up. But I think that's 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 probably there's really no surprise I don't think in that lineup based on what we know about the roster composition. Uh, Our next guest has, uh, boy, he's got a a long, long major league pedigree. Uh, He was the 1989 AL Rookie of the Year, former MLB closer. He's now ESPN Radio baseball analyst. He will be working alongside our very good friend Dan Shulman in the ESPN call in this series. He's Greg Olson, and we're very pleased that he joins us on Blair and Barker. Greg, thanks so much for doing this. Welcome to Toronto. Uh, I trust that you're you're keeping well. I have a very simple question for you, something Kevin and I talked about and something Jerry DePoto talked about yesterday, and it's an obvious thing in the postseason. But why is power pitching 
and power hitting more important in the postseason than it is in the regular season? Well, I, I don't know if it is. Um, it just seems like you're getting your best guys more often. Um, obviously, the power hitting, you're, you know, it, it, it's fascinating for me. They, they the Teams go all season and, you know, don't steal a whole lot of bases. Both these teams are right about 110 stolen bases on the year. It, it used to be more uh, sacrifice bunts are down during the regular season, but we'll see, you know, once the playoffs start, man, you're scraping to get, you're, you're fighting for 90 feet and, and uh, you know, the big power guys who do some damage in the postseason, you're taking care of your business and, and um, you know, trying to get your guys on base and in position for those power guys that have done it all season. Greg, early in, early in the game, what, what will you be looking for from both starting pitchers? First couple innings. Oh, I just I, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think, you know, if, if both of the guys are effective, they're in the zone. Um, you know, obviously the defenses are going to be on their toes. This isn't game, you know, 154 where they've already clinched and nobody cares. So the defenses will both be on their toes, and just you're going to see the guys pounding the zone, and I think that's important for both of the guys. If they're not pounding the zone and giving up some free passes, then it's going to be an issue. So that's what I'm going to look for. Greg, obviously the the, the postseason is an emotional time for guys. We know that Alec Manoa is a guy who thrives in emotion. Uh, conversely, Jordan Romano, the Jays' closer, we had Brad Lidge tell us that one of the things he likes about Jordan Romano is as he grew into the closer's role, he's 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 kind of he's channeled that emotion a bit, right? He he he's kind of been a little more. I wouldn't say more sedate, but he's he's realized that his manager may want him to get four outs. That means he may have to come in, you know, sit down, go back out. So he's he's kind of learned to channel that. How important is that for young pitchers to to find that balance between getting geared up but also kind of slowing the heartbeat down a bit? Man, that's a great question. I wish I had the answer because uh, at the end of my career, I mean my one of my favorite guys to watch was Dennis Eckersley and he was just, it it looked like he had no heartbeat. It looked like he didn't care. And sometimes, you know, you can care too much and it is a, it's a detriment to being a closer. You know, I mean, the best guys I saw, Lee Smith, Dennis Eckersley looked like they did not care one bit what was Mm. going on. And um, I tried to be that way. You know, the emotions and, Everything else are, are just part of it. So the more you're out there, uh, the more you understand that, you know, the sun's going to come up tomorrow and I'm in the middle of, of what I love to do. So how do you channel it? It's just being out there more and more and, and keep getting the work. And, you know, the playoff, playoff scenario is going to add a lot to, um, to the heartbeats of these guys that are going to be out there pitching. If you're Castillo and you're looking, you know, you're sitting in your locker and you're going, okay, first six guys in the Jays order are all right-handed. I have a fastball that's anywhere from 97 to 99. I have a slider that I like now. I'm using that a little bit more. And I have the Bugs Bunny changeup. How do you think early against those first six guys who are right-handed, do you will think he'll attack them? Will it be away? Will it be in? Will it be both? How do you think he'll do it? Well, I mean, he's, he's seen them a little bit. Um, you know, the numbers aren't uh, – it's not like they're, you're facing George Springer 30 times. And yep. You got the cat and, cat and mouse game, so there's not a whole lot of 
background or history. So for me, I, I would, you know, you, you attack the scouting report as much as you can, but you're also keeping that within your strength. So he's going to do what, what he wants to do, get ahead. He's been using the slider a little bit more, like you said. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the key for the, the Blue Jays is going to be making him be in the zone and not expanding the zone and, and getting themselves in trouble and getting themselves out. Greg, our friend Buck Martinez uh, had made an, asked an interesting question yesterday of uh, in the, the pregame news conference, and it, it was about Alec Manoa and sort of how just how mature he is. I think uh, Ron Darling told us yesterday used the phrase "fully evolved." A fully evolved young pitcher to talk about to talk about Manoa, and one of the things Buck has talked about with Manoa is the fact that he he's got all the analytical stuff, but he is a believer in reading bats. That he will make a lot of his adjustment adjustments based on what he sees hitters doing in a particular day. Why don't more guys do that now, or or do they actually do it and they don't know that they're doing it? Um. Honestly, that's, that was what I had to do. I, 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 I got really good at watching, watching swings. I mean, you can, you can learn something, and it sounds really stupid, but you can learn something by watching how a guy took a pitch. And um, so why don't more guys do it? It's not that easy to do. Uh, you know, there's not a training. There's not, you don't go down to spring training and sit in a meeting room and have somebody explain how to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's one, of those, it's one of those things that you either do or don't do start figuring it out. I mean, obviously I didn't do it early on in my career. I was just, you know, walk on the mound and throw as hard as I could and try to broadside a barn. <laughs> but um, after, you know, after I evolved a little bit in probably year four, I started watching foul balls and what was, what was, that was leading me to my next pitch. It wasn't, I didn't have this right set mind of going okay if i just threw a fastball so now i gotta throw a curveball and that i was like okay well that was a really late swing on that fastball here comes another one let's throw it on the inside part of the plate so um the long long answer is just it's not that easy to do and you either start recognizing what's going on or you stick to your game plan regardless of what you know you're Mm -hmm. not seeing Greg, is there somebody in Seattle's lineup that the Jays should be really, really worried about? Other than Rodriguez? Yeah, off? other than him, maybe. Other? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I mean, he, he's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, 28 home runs as a rookie is outstanding. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching him. And, and, you know, everybody's gone through it all. The, the pitching staffs are pretty equal. Seattle's bullpen's probably a shade better. Toronto's offense is much better. Um, it's just, it's going to be a fun series. I think they're both very equal and competitive, and there's no telling what's going to happen. Uh, shifting focus a little bit away from this series, Kevin and I spent a little bit of time talking about Albert Pujols and what he's done in the second half. And, of course, the Cardinals are, are, are playing the Phillies in the National League Series. Uh, are you surprised that at 42, Albert Pujols was able to put together the type of second half he has? Uh, apparently from, as he said, you know, making an adjustment, dropping his hands, holding his bat more upright, adding a leg kick. Um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it's one of those things. It's just kind of mind-blowing that, you know, at his age, he's 
made another adjustment. You know, I, I watched him. You watched Cabrera at the end of his career playing against guys at the end of their careers. Their bats slow down, and you can usually beat them in. And I kind of think Pujols has started. Uh, I mean, he's extremely smart, so he has a pretty good concept of what pitches are coming. You know, he's seen the guys, done his homework, but I, I think he's. I think he's really looking in. And that wasn't what he always did. He was, you know, he would play the game. He'd go to right field. He'd go to, you know, do what needed to be done that day. But right now, I, I really think he's kind of looking in and hunting in so that he doesn't get beat by, you know, the good fastballs. So if you watch most of his home runs, they're, you know, bad breaking balls on the inner part of the plate or fastballs on the inner part of the plate. Greg, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, man. We'll see you down at the ballpark. Have fun. All right. My pleasure. Take care. Have a good one, guys. Thanks. You too. Greg Olson, ESPN Radio Baseball. I will still have a call of the series along with Dan Schulman. That is, I, I try. I, I talked to Buck a little bit yesterday about, about Alec Manoa and reading back. And Buck asked a, a, just a fascinating question of, of, uh, of Ross Atkins. And, and I was kind of hoping the answer would be developed a little more. But we've talked about Alec Manoa and how his year in some ways kind of defies what we worry about with young pitchers, right? Mm -hmm. We, you know, the workload, we talk about workloads, you know, Tom Verducci's written about the 30% added inning, all this stuff. Alec Manoa may be an outlier, but Buck asked Ross whether or not the success the Jays have had with Alec Manoa, the quick success they've had with him, has impacted how the Jays are looking at some of their other young pitchers. And it was interesting because Ross answered, you know, obviously, you know, every, everybody's different, but we have seen some things with Alec that we can apply, perhaps apply to, and he mentioned Ricky Tiedemann and Sam Roberts, who's a, a pitcher that the Jays got a lot of, lot of nibbles on at the trade deadline. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the, 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 the answer wasn't wasn't necessarily developed anymore, but I found that interesting. Coupling that with what Buck has learned from talking to Alec about how he reads bats, yeah, and then hearing Greg Olson talk about reading bats and watching how a guy takes a pitch, watching how a guy fouls the ball off, not just because the ball's foul, but how did he foul it off? Yeah. Where did it go? Was he late? Yeah. Was he early? Whatever. Is there anything? A hitter can do to counteract that. Always look fastball. Uh, that's, I mean, I, I think you you try and simplify the Derek your Jeter thing, right? What were oh, you doing at the plate? I was looking for a fastball. Absolutely. I mean, ask any great hitter, elite hitter. Occasionally, they will have to guess because they're hitting in the middle of the order, and you're just not going to get cookies that are straight. You're just not going to get them. So occasionally, it's okay to guess. Most of the time, if a guy throws 99 and throws a slider, nobody hits the slider. Why would I look for the slider? That making sense to you I'm, makes zero sense for me. I got a better chance of hitting something that's straighter. I've never understood trying. sitting on I a guy's best pitch. I don't, I, I don't either. I, I mean, I you, hear, don't. you hear that a lot. If a guy throws a, a changeup a lot, go up and sit on it. Well, really? Well, he throws it a lot because nobody can hit it. Why are you sitting on it? That for me makes no sense whatsoever. But, hey, to each his own. For me, I think Alec is a little what Greg just said. He sort of has to read bats. Yeah, if you've noticed, his slider's a little moody. It's been moody all year. Sometimes really good, sometimes not really good. He's added the two-seamer, which has helped 
take him to a whole different level. That allows him to rely more on movement than power, which allows him to get deeper in games, especially later in the season when the innings go up, you get tired, you're laboring. Now my movement takes over. And I have the invisible sums up with the 92s that nobody can hit. He can throw it in a fastball count to a fastball hitter, and nobody can hit it for a reason. I have no idea why it is because I've never stepped in against it. <laughs> but there's something because he keeps throwing it to him. So there's something will tell you that. I, I just think sometimes when you don't have your one of your better pitches all the time, that's when you start paying more attention to what that guy's doing, what he's trying to do against you, where the location of what he's trying to do, which will tell you where he's trying to hit, what you're trying to throw him. So I just think for me, it comes down to beginning of the season, it was you can't hit it. Here it is. You got no chance. Then the middle of the season comes along, and the slider really ain't there. It's all over the place. He can't really backdoor it. And now the 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 league has made an adjustment by throwing all the lefties against him. He's mm-hmm. eliminated the right-handed hitter, right? Sort of Pretty what much. he does in yes. the invisible. He's eliminated the right-handed hitter. Now it's the bunch of lefties that they're going to see. So I just think, for me, it's what Greg said. He's in the boat that he has to do it. Now he's 24, and he knows how to do it, and he doesn't need a, a pitching coach to run out there and go, hey, why yeah. are you throwing him a breaking ball? Because he can't catch up to the heater. He doesn't need that. So he's a self-corrector. But I think for me, from what I've seen, it's more in the camp that he has to do. It, it's. I, I was thinking back to one of our it, – it's remarkable how many times when we talk about this, conversation gets around to something Josh Donaldson would talk to us about. Yeah. But he. I remember him mentioning one time that it – this was a spinoff of the whole argument. You know, go up and – Josh, great at bat, fouled off nine pitches, worked. Nah, the second pitch I fouled off was the one I needed to hit. Yep. It's not a great at bat. Don't tell me it's a great at bat. bat. He made a point about how it used to surprise him how many guys wouldn't read bats. He said, I fell off a pitch and. It's like it, it doesn't register with the pitcher. It, why did he do that? What did I do that caused him? And he said, he'll throw me the same pitch. Like It wh- sounds wh- like Jordan Romano. When you were talking there, that's who it sounds like. Like he, I'm so in love with my slider. If you're out in front of it, you're squaring it up. I don't care because I'm in love with it. I'm going to continue to throw it. And if and the so, slider's really, as, as Ron Darling said, I say the slider's really good. He ain't going to hit it. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, but some of the times it's not, and he still throws it. So right. it'll it sort of, you marry the two, you're better for it. I, it's just, it's a, it'll be interesting to see early against some lefties. If the slider backdoor's not working, and he throws some non-competitive two-seamers arm side, what does he do? How quickly does he fix it? That'll be intriguing for me. Mike Cameron is a former Mariners outfielder. He's a 2001 MLB All-Star. That was a great Seattle Mariners team, three-time Gold Glove winner. He now works in the Mariners Player Development Department. Mike Cameron joins us next. DMs are open for Barker's Backleg Bits. Jeff Passan joins us as well. Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots and lots ahead. It's Blair and Barker, the postseason edition on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. 